Sup, sports fans, and welcome to Low Expectations with Gruder Golf. I'm Jenny Coco. Kiki Gruder is here with me as well, and we are absolutely pumped to have bootstrapping entrepreneur Jared Solomon joining us tonight. Jared is one of the co-founders of Five Iron Golf, New York City's hottest golf hangout, just as impressively one of Gruder Golf's first hype guys and earliest supporters. Um, we'll get into all of that. Before we get too far, Kiki, will you tell the people exactly what Five Iron Golf is? Yes. So for those of you who don't know, living under a rock, um, Five Iron is probably the coolest spot in Manhattan. Um, I like to describe it as a combination between a driving range, a sports bar, and a bowling alley in the sense that you have individual lanes with your own simulator, but they're set up kind of like a bowling alley. Like you have a couch, your own table, like your own space to go with your group. And then there's TVs everywhere. There's an awesome restaurant, a full bar, ping pong, um, shuffleboard, pool tables. It's a, what's that? Um, car driving game, the car racing game. Race car driving. Yeah, race car driving. I mean, they, oh, golden tea. I mean, they really have it all. And we are actually recording right now from the newest location in New York, which is totally under construction. Um, it's on 31st and 6th Avenue. It's gigantic, 30,000 square feet. Um, and I just got a little tour of it, which is really exciting. So Jared, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. Those are extremely flattering words. Um, I appreciate uh, everything you guys said. 25,000 square feet, but I, I love that you guys would exaggerate. We'll take 30,000 square feet all day. But yeah, excited to be on the podcast. Excited to be on the podcast. Um, couldn't be more proud of you guys and Gruder Golf and, you know, really excited to talk, uh, talk wow. about Gruder Golf and Five Irons relationship over the years and, and everything else. Yeah, us too. So actually the first question that we have for you is, are you interested in being the title sponsor of this podcast? Uh, absolutely. absolutely. I'm not sure who else would be the title sponsor besides us. We would love to. I think I remember a time when you probably called and said, hey, can I get like $300 to sponsor the Candy Corn Classic or something? And I, I said, what does that mean? I don't think any of us knew at the time. And we might have been, that might have been the first dollars we ever spent on yeah, some type of sponsorship. Yeah, we didn't even like really? the sponsorship was like a thing. Right. <laughs> we were like, wow. Cool. Well, so. we were like, how are we ever going to make this bigger when the tickets, when it's already $100 to, you know, get anybody out for an outing? So that really opened up a whole new world for us. I think you offered to sponsor us before we had asked you even. Yeah. And now you did. Give us money. And I was like, what is, what? <laughs> for what? what? Now, now you have fancy golf brands sponsoring you. I feel like we might be getting priced out of uh, sponsoring your event. So now to, to even get involved. I have to drive around in a costume of a corn at the Candy Corn Classic and uh, hand out free drinks to people. But no, absolutely will be the title sponsor. We, of course, have not talked about any details, but that doesn't matter. And it's not stopped us before. And it's certainly not going to stop us. Now we are 100% in. Wow, great. Good to know. I'm glad that you're not asking for details because we don't have any details either, as usual. True to form for the Gruder Golf business model is that the details will, will come soon. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's been really so great for us, honestly, to have you, you know, kind of as a business mentor in a lot of ways with um, opening us up to sponsorships and just kind of sharing and the success 
that's been five iron so far. I mean, we followed you to Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Chicago, and Baltimore um, when you opened up your new locations at the the start of this year, and um, really will follow you just about anywhere. Um, but it all really started when uh, a young Kirsten Gruder wandered into Five Iron Golf somehow um, in 2017 when we had just kind of started doing our very first events, which were really just 12 of our friends playing golf together, um, wandered into Five Iron Golf and um, created slash um, took, accepted a an unpaid internship at Five Iron Golf. So Kiki, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yes, I'd be delighted to. Um, the best job I've ever had, actually. But we walked in there, like, I think it was in, like, December of 2017. It was, like, after we had had, like, our first two, like you said, quote-unquote events. And what some, like, buddy's friend from work was going to play there. And we were, like, we had seen it on Instagram, actually, because we were deep into the golf Instagram. All we did was look at golf Instagram all day long. <laughs> but we were just getting into it. So... I was like, yeah, definitely have been wanting to check that place out. Like, walked in, had the best time ever, met Mike. And it was, like, during my grad school, and I didn't have class on Fridays for the winter. It was, like, my, like, semester off. So I had, like, eight weeks free, and I didn't have to work on Fridays. And I was like, oh, I would love to just, like, spend every Friday here and, like, help you guys and, like, bring people in, whatever. But then I didn't want to, like, really work. Like, I didn't want to be on the schedule and, like, have to, like, cancel if I couldn't make it or, like, whatever. So I was just like, why don't I just come in for free and I'll get free sin time and free beer. And so it was like kind of a bartender, kind of a roamer, which is the position that they made up where you like help people to their sim, bring them food, order their drinks, clean up, switch the groups around, answer general questions. It was great. Really great. You were an absolute rock star. Um, <laughs> if only everyone could be as attentive as Kiki. No, I, in, in all seriousness, that that time was really formative for us as a company. And I think you guys as well in a little bit of ways. I mean, we opened in 2017. We put street art on the walls. And we, we have this idea that we want to be different. And we want to bring something different to golf. And but you have that idea. And you need to really see it take form. And then meeting you guys and having Gruder Golf be uh, as you guys call it, you know, your your home bar or whatever, home your club, home club mm-hmm. that you refer to five iron as. But having Gruder Golf events, having you in the space, sort of setting the tone for how you can use the space in a really social, fun way. I, and, and you know, then you just piggyback off of that and you start doing we started doing women's events and we started to really think of ourselves as a cool spot, which I, I don't think I ever thought I'd be involved in anything cool. So the, <laughs> the, those are really formative times for us. And yeah. we really both, I think, took it from there. And, and it was when you were, like, spending a lot of time. There. I was. Like, you were working there on Friday nights, like, serving drinks. So, yeah. like, we were just basically hanging out right. on Fridays a lot, which was fun, <laughs> really fun. We will talk more about that, about all the things that make Fire Iron very cool. But getting a little bit more into the story of how the business came together and kind of how it all started. So you didn't start golfing until 2013, 2014, it's a little unclear, but how exactly did you start golfing in Manhattan and why? Yeah. So I think that I have a, a unique story that maybe is becoming more common, but I didn't golf growing up. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a member of a country, country club. My family wasn't a member of a club. I didn't play in college. And then um, you know, post financial crisis, uh, I went to law school in the city, 
with my wife, Catherine, and we, um, you know, it was a tough time for jobs. My best job was uh, an opportunity in Manhattan, and her best job was in Rochester, New York, so we really weren't seeing each other that often. As I tell people, either I could find some hobbies or I could find a mistress, and in, in year two, I found some hobbies, and um, I started playing indoor golf with this guy, Mike Doyle, in a simulator at this you know, rinky-dink place in Manhattan that, and I just fell in love with it. And my, so my, I started picking up golf on a screen. It wasn't as if I started on, a, an, on an outdoor golf course and I started taking lessons. And at the same time, I was also playing ping pong at this place called Spin that people might be familiar with, but really love the vibe. I love the, the social atmosphere and sort of matching this game uh, with, with really just the great food and bar scene and everything that you guys hopefully love about Five Iron. And, you know, Mike and I were taking lessons and you spend enough time together and you're eventually like, hey, like maybe we should do this idea. Wait, wasn't it in like the back of a clothing store or something? It, it was, I, I followed Mike to a few different places from, you know. So, but how did you find him in the back of the clothing store? Well, he was first in a nail salon. Wandering around like, the back of a clothing store. Like, did you, did I mean, you Mike, Google like, yeah, golf, golf lessons, lessons in, in New York City. I mean, Mike's a Mike's a legend in, in New York City for, for golf and teaching. So I, I followed him around to different places. And we really started Five Iron in the back of a men's clothing store with one simulator. And we're, you know, just talking to his customers, myself included, who were like, yeah, I would love a place to practice and drink beer. And we started, you know, with the four sims of Flatiron and then grew, grew it from there. Yeah, because when we met you, it was just the upstairs of the first location. It was just like literally four simulators, and then they opened the front ones, and they opened the downstairs, opened in Fide Eye. Yeah. yeah, so were you just like totally obsessed with golf too? Like, you know kind of our story that when we started, like, I mean, we didn't have a five iron right away, but Kirsten got one you know, right when you guys opened, but you know, we would spend so much time just like talking about golf, not necessarily like even playing, just talking about it all the time. Were you just like, like how many times a week were you playing with Mike? I mean, I was, you know, once a week, it was honestly expensive. The lessons were expensive and, and really what was expensive was the practice time at the place that he worked. And part of the core philosophy at the beginning was if we can keep the price point down for the serious golfers and the people that want to practice and get better, we can make it back off in corporate events and food and beverage and eating and drinking. We've really kind of kept that policy, you know, to this day where we, I feel like we have fairly reasonable lesson prices and membership offerings. So that if you want to come in 15 times a month or 20 times a month and get better at golf, it's not, look, it's, it's not cheap, but it's, it's more affordable than everything else that was out there at the time. And, and honestly, I feel like still is out there today in terms of price point. Yeah. Jared, do you have any um, good stories about your kind of tennis experience in golf? I think that people think of golf and tennis as being kind of like interrelated country club sports, but you said earlier that you weren't a country club kid growing up. So how'd you get into tennis? tennis in college? Yeah. I mean, I did play tennis in college. I would say my only memorable tennis experience is when I showed up to a tournament as a kid and uh they basically turned me away and said you have to be wear a white collared shirt and that was really the first time that i was exposed to any type of exclusivity and it was really shocking i, I didn't even really understand like i called you know my parents i'm like well, i don't even understand what's going on 
But it's a story that I never forgot. Anytime there's anything with like rules in golf about wearing pants or wearing these colors or God forbid, you know, we could talk about our story about women's skirt length. That, that seems to be a thing these days. It really, it just reminds me of that. We've always wanted to be a place that's inclusive, you know, wear whatever you want and, um, you know, enjoy the game in the way that you want to enjoy it. So where did you play tennis though when you were growing up if it wasn't at a country club? It was just like a, it was a tennis club, but it wasn't a country club. Got it was just a place where you would, you know, hit balls and mm -hmm. play outside with, with your friends. And they didn't have golf. They did not have golf. Yes. So this is going a little bit off the reservation too, but I am curious now, why did, when you were looking for a hobby, when you and Catherine were living in separate cities, why not tennis? So I busted both of my arms playing tennis and really couldn't play tennis anymore, which was sad. Also, speaking of sports that are expensive in the city, good luck playing tennis in Manhattan. It's a fortune mm -hmm. uh, with the amount of space that it takes up. But yeah, my left arm, my left elbow, my right wrist, both messed up, had surgeries and really couldn't, I can't, to this day, I can't play tennis. So, you know, saw some people playing golf, thought I'd try a golf lesson, played some ping pong. And that was really how I started, started playing. Wow. So cool. So, so many of your early experiences seem to really feed into um, what Five Iron became. I almost feel like in a lot of ways, it's like somebody's first album when it's everything they've been thinking of their entire lives kind of coming into one singular thing but there are just so many cool things about five iron golf i mean we obviously are obsessed with it not just because of your support of us but just because it's a really even if you were mean to us we'd probably still really love going there um so i want to talk a little bit about just kind of the features of five iron that just make it so unique and so much different than any other really golf place that i've ever been to um yeah i i think that we're taking a unique approach to golf that really is trying to make golf for everyone and i like to bring up the example you know we we do more golf lessons than anyone in the city we also host corporate events and we've always been worried about you know how can we be the best place for the serious golfer and be the best place for the entertainment golfer or just the person who wants to go to the bar and have fun and i think that we've realized to do that you have to do both of those things just extremely well and really care about both of those customers so just focusing on for the serious golfer that means having the best technology for practice the best golf pros club storage showers the things that maybe someone going to a country club would expect, but honestly, just anyone that wants to improve at anything expects, you're going to, you know, expects the best technology and the best people helping them. And then on the entertainment side, it's everything that you guys love about it, which is the, you know, the street art on the walls, the doing our own food and having our own bar. Um, and hopefully the, the customer service element as well. So it's, I, I think that's what makes it unique where some people try to cater to the serious golfers. Some people try to cater to the, entertainment golfer and we're really trying to say we're going to do both and we're going to do both really well and as i say if you're going to serve a quesadilla next in a sim next to a sim where there's a golf lesson the quesadilla better be really good and the golf lesson better be really good as yeah. well or both people are going to be pretty yeah. unhappy with that experience well it's interesting because i remember jen when we first started like planning our like first big events like we i mean we still do like put just as much like focus and emphasis on like the party side of the event than we do on like the golf side of the event. Like we try to do, you know, a similar thing, like make the groups equal, put people together that want to play in similar ways, like 
you know, we ask what your handicap is, if you have a handicap, if you've ever picked up a golf club before, all those kinds of questions kind of group people together. So that's like obviously part of it to make that experience good, but then also just like planning the actual party and all the things that go along with the party is just as important because for people that aren't serious about it, that's the experience that they're going to take away from it. Like they're going to have an enjoyable time doing that and then still walk away being like, oh, that was awesome. And that was golf and that was cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's making the golf experience like really fun and really engaging without having the person necessarily be good at golf to start out with. Or be like horrible at golf. And And we are horrible. We are getting better. And also I think that, I think we all think that, it's not necessarily a different person. You know, Keegan and I have played golf together. We're really not very good, but we do want to get better. We try to get better. Mm-hmm. We also, if we're bartending, we'll pour ourselves a drink and maybe have fun at five iron, right? Like right. we're not necessarily two different people. And that's sort of how we feel about the customer that just because there's a member of a private club or because they're taking lessons, they also might come with their buddies and hang out or, or go on a date night or something like that at five iron. I think that's one of the really cool things that that we've done. Yeah. I think it's very, very hard to convince somebody to try it otherwise without all of that stuff. They're not willing to even give it a shot. And, you know, once they have one experience with it, it's usually pretty Yeah. And even, I mean, I think a huge thing, especially like at Five Iron and at our events is that, you know, you're not going to get kicked out or asked to leave for not wearing the right clothes because there's no dress code. And I think that that's especially, you know, I think for women and men, probably one of the most stressful parts of it is feeling the need to like look like a golfer and feeling the need to look like you know what you're doing when you have absolutely zero idea what you're doing. And maybe this is a good time to talk about the Sleepy Hollow story, no. honestly, because this is a perfect segue into well, you it. you thought you looked great too, right? <laughs> okay. Jared asked me to go play for the first time in Sleepy Hollow with this other girl, Sam, who lives in in the city. And I went to Golf NYC and picked out a brand new head to toe Nike golf outfit, polo, shorts, a belt, new shoes, literally like spent so much money. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can't wait. Like I'm gonna look so good tomorrow. Jared picks me up and he's like, um, Kiki, you're going to have to buy a skirt at the brown shop. And I'm like, what do you mean? These are brand new shorts. I've never worn their Nike golf shorts. And they're like too short. And I had to borrow a skirt from our friend, Sam. Thank God she had an extra one. And, but it was just like too big and like, didn't really fit. And like, it did, it kind of like changes the way that you feel because you are like self-conscious a little bit about not wearing what you want to be wearing. And it's already such an intimidating sport mm-hmm. that, you know, just being on the driving range and hitting golf balls and warming up for a round or being on the first tee where people are watching. I mean, the the path to getting yeah. remotely competent at golf is, is so long that you add this element of feeling uncomfortable because of whatever reason, because you're not used to that, that lifestyle of a, a private club. And it really starts adding up in terms of intimidating and turning people off. So I think that the more we all can do to make it approachable is, you know, is good for the game and, and growing the game and whatnot. Hashtag grow the game. And yeah, I also, yesterday when I was, when I saw that you all were offering um, a, basically a, what is a ladies night and day today in honor of women's golf day, um, that ladies were playing free or girls, women, everybody were playing free. Um, 
I was just trying to encourage people to go and, you know, the concept that you can walk off the street with no clubs, with whatever you're wearing and it will all be provided for you and it's free. Like there's absolutely no reason to not do that. You know, um, can we, can we talk about why Gruder golf is so awesome? Cause I think that this is <laughs> really, ask. This about is you. <laughs> I, people ask, you know, what, what's Gruder golf's deal. And, and I obviously know you guys and I think about this stuff a lot. Before Gruder Golf, to me, there was this, you know, the women in golf that appeal to men and, and are on Instagram and, and doing their, their thing, which we're all very supportive of. And, yeah, you know, shout out Dear Thing Girls. Yeah, follow them all, follow them all. And then, obviously, the golf tent that's very much for the serious golfer where it's swing videos and how not to slice a ball. But what I love so much about what you guys do is that you literally create golfers out of thin air and in a sport that was at least previously dying. And I think, you know, you guys are part of the reason why it's not that you, you take a social event on a golf course, but that person then falls in love with the game maybe. And then they go take, so they weren't ever going to play golf, but they go to a group golf event with their friends who are like, Hey, just come. It's not a big deal. Super low pressure. You can dress up like a unicorn or a pumpkin <laughs> And there'll be excessive amounts of alcohol <laughs> thrown at you. Um, you have to and, buy them, though. <laughs> and the round will yeah, take yeah. seven hours, and you might play 13 holes, but that doesn't even mean anything to you. But you go from there, and you're like, you know what? This is fun. And then that person ends up maybe taking lessons, maybe taking lessons of five iron, and maybe they have to want to buy golf clubs and a bag. And then eventually, that person's a golfer. Like, we've, we've created a golfer that will eventually maybe join a country club, or they're going to tell their friends and – be involved in you know golf social media and, and they'll eventually be participants in this whole golf world that we love and i think that in a sport that's so intimidating and so restricted that the fact that you guys are literally growing the game and growing golfers out of nothing is just extremely cool thank you well, thank you so very much it really does mean a lot to us obviously we love you you love us um, the social media thing is so funny just because I feel like in so many ways, obviously, you know, it's just a bit of a double-edged sword because we couldn't have grown nearly as much without social media, right? We started out as an Instagram account and it was, it's so funny to talk to people who you've never met actually, but they kind of have a familiarity with the brand and a familiarity with like, you know, us as people almost. And they're like, oh my God, you know, I started golfing like, and maybe it's not because of us, but like that helped them along to kind of like encourage them to also do it. And that's so like heartwarming to hear. But then there's also, you know, all the like kind of silliness that comes along with social media and like the feeling, the need to like keep up with, you know, like hashtags. And, you know, if you're like not posting enough or you don't want to be stressed out while you're like on the golf course, like trying to get like videos, even when you're just trying to like have fun with your friends sometimes. So such a weird such a weird thing. Yeah. Well, that went off the rails. Jen, as a <laughs> manager, does, I think, a truly spectacular job blending the line just perfectly. Well, thank you so much. Are we just going to give each other compliments now? <laughs> um, so, Jared, obviously, Five Iron, you know, you were just saying that before there was Gruder golf and before there was five iron golf, golf was dying. And so we're kind of part of this new wave that's sort of born of the Instagram era and is younger and more in tune with social media and more in tune with pop culture and is trying to bring golf, you know, together with all of those things in kind of a more 
less stuffy, fun and accessible way um, that's less intimidating to people who, you know, traditionally might have felt excluded from golf or not welcomed by golf at a country club. Um, and would you say that you have, you know, the crowd that you see at Five Iron Golf is is different than your typical country club, maybe not in the way that a country club actually is, but in like the popular like thought of what a country club is. So very, you know, like stuffy, quiet, a lot of rules, white. Would you say that Five Iron does a different thing than that? We, we really do try to be for everyone. And that means, uh, you know, the country club person, but certainly some of the most, uh, you know, fun stories I remember just from roaming back when Kiki and I were roaming is, you know, a Tinder date or something like that, or someone's, uh, you know, just a group of girls with their friends, people drinking and just really playing ping pong and the Sims there in the background and just sort of using it as a lounge and hitting a couple of balls, but there's no pressure in the environment. And that certainly is awesome. And that's what we're going for in terms of a, a feel of the place. At the same time, though, we certainly have the country club people. And, and I, I, I would, I would say serious golfers was a country club person. Cause mm-hmm. that there, there, there are people that are there in the morning that are practicing and they might be a plus two handicap. They might be trying to win their club championship or want win some, you know, sectional tournament or something like that, or they were a division one golfer. Um, and they're there. I mean, frankly, some of my other stories that I remember and some of the customers that I remember are a couple of like former division one golfers that they moved to New York city for their finance job or whatever, and sort of had fallen out of love with golf. And then they're back loving it because of five iron, they're joining the leagues and they're going back and playing outside. And they sort of had that break post college where they're, they were, you know, worn out from golf, but then the five iron, they're back into it. And now they're back playing competitive golf. I think that's, that's really cool. And it's just such a mix of clientele that can enjoy the space because of just the dip, like how dynamic the simulator is and, and all the different things that we have. So I guess in that, um, in that same vein and kind of what we were saying before that, you know, it does kind of solve at least a part of that accessibility issue because you don't need your own clubs. You don't have a dress code and you don't need a membership. So anybody can really um, come through the door and just start playing golf pretty much immediately, as long as, I mean, you guys have availability. Um, in light of everything that's gone on this summer, you know, specifically all the, the Black Lives Matter protests and the uh, murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, um, what are some of the other steps that Five Iron is taking to increase Black, Indigenous, people of color participation in golf? So we've taken this situation seriously I think at least, and we've certainly thought about it a lot. And as a company that from the beginning has said, our goal is to be inclusive and to, you know, grow the game and get more people involved in golf and not have break down the boundaries. We really tried to look in the mirror and see like, okay, what are we actually doing to do that? Well, obviously we are passively open and available for everyone, but what can we do to proactively get involved. So one thing that we did, which I, I think I recommend for other companies as well, we added a position essentially to our company that is a director level position, brand partnerships, but really the goal is to be involved in finding opportunities to get 
people in the space that might be underprivileged or might not typically have the opportunity to get in the space or might even just be a demographic that maybe doesn't typically golf. And so we're proactively trying to find those people as opposed to what we've done passively, which is just saying, hey, we're, we're here and we're for everyone and you can wear whatever you want. Like, I think one thing that we've learned from Black Lives Matter is that it's not just enough to say we're here and we're open and we're not racist. Like, what are you actually doing? So we are trying to proactively um, go out there and find opportunities where we can introduce people to golf. We just did this virtual clinic, for example, with All Access Golf, which was really awesome, a huge hit. Mike Doyle, the guy we spoke about before, did this sort of virtual introduction to golf on the simulator where a bunch of kids were watching and learning, this is what a sand trap is, this is what an iron is, this is what a driver is. And hopefully these kids that didn't actually even hit a golf ball because of COVID and you know might not even have been local and, and had access to, to holding a golf club, I think they all have more excited about golf than when they started. And maybe they're gonna go from there and just Google golf, or maybe they're going to ask their parents to go hit on a driving range or something like that. So really sort of trying to proactively do, do things with companies like All Access Golf and the First Tee and hosting events that are, um, you know, geared towards growing opportunities for people in golf. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense too. And I mean, it's not, it's obviously that wasn't the easiest question either. Um, I think that, you know, we've been struggling with kind of the correct way to address you know, what we kind of see as um, deficiencies in the sport um, in terms of, you know, the outreach that's been done. It's always, I mean, it's been so crazy just in kind of researching more about, you know, exactly how exclusive golf was that, you know, it wasn't until like, I think 1975 that um, the first black player like played in the masters. It's kind of nuts. Um, it's, it's such a social game too, that I've always felt like, going back to my philosophy days that the best way or one of one of the ways to sort of solve problems and get people on the same page is just to to do things about, together especially at a young age and i think that having some kids on the golf course that are from different socioeconomic backgrounds and are just playing together they're five iron together and just hanging out and becoming friends and hitting golf balls is really one of the best ways that i can think of to break down barriers that have existed, like you said, forever. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird sport that way that we, we love the sport, but certainly it has a checkered history of, I mean, exclusivity is probably a kind word, uh, but really. Yeah. I mean, I, I keep thinking back, like think about how excluded we felt as like white women, like, you know, who, and we felt like we needed a specific invitation, like to go like play together and how all of our friends felt like the, even the group of 12 girls that we started playing with, like we had to individually like kind of convince them to come and be like, no, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So you think about being a double minority in that situation, like a black woman, like, you know, unless somebody is literally holding your hand being like, come with me, this is how we're going to do it. This is yeah. where you're going to go, what you're going to wear what's going to happen. Like we needed that. And like, everybody needs that regardless of, you know, even to this day. And, and like you said, white, white women, um, certainly there, there are people that have are worse situations. The, <laughs> you know, even in most country clubs today, like right now, the women's member guest is like on a Wednesday or it's morning on a Sunday. Wednesday morning. I just don't, I'll just never be okay with that. I don't think anyone should be okay with that. Women's opening day 
is at a certain time. Women can play at certain times at clubs, let alone plenty of clubs that just don't allow women at all. And I think that is, I just, I just will never find that acceptable. And I think that if in a decade that's still the case, you know, we've all done something wrong or haven't worked hard enough. Like I really feel like it's our obligation to make sure that in 10 years, the women's member guests at your club that you're playing at is on a Saturday if it should be. And that is twofold. That means getting enough women involved in golf that they can support taking all those Saturday tea times. And it also means changing the way we think about what golf is and, um, you know, what the, what the priority is for, for the game. Yeah. I mean, golf is just so interesting because regardless of what your personal golf history is, whether you, you know, don't play at all and don't know anybody who plays or you're like super into it. Like you have an opinion of golf, like non-golfers have an opinion of what they think that golf is. And I think it's really easy just based on, you know, on representation and everything too, that when you think of a golfer, you just kind of think of either Tiger Woods or like a white guy from, you know, the South or something. That's what I would think of before I played golf, which was only, you know, four short years ago. Um, that's kind of what I thought. I thought of either like an old white guy um, or Tiger Woods. So it was until the comeback wasn't maybe the best thing to be. <laughs> um, so five iron has such great success and getting people who would have no familiar with the sport um, to come in to an urban location with no dress code and you can kind of just show up and just start playing golf right there. Do you think that this is a concept that could be applied to other formerly exclusive sports? Um, I myself uh, used to be a young equestrian um, before the age of 12 and I would love to get back into it, but obviously, you know, the the problem of getting out to a barn, the problem of buying a horse, um, the problem of having the right equipment, you know, just doesn't, is not, they all seem like insurmountable um, problems. So Jared, do you think um, you could be getting into any sort of equestrian urban environment? Just the fact that someone who knows the word equestrian might've felt excluded from golf <laughs> might be the problem of golf. I, I, I can't say I'm an expert in the equestrian lifestyle. I know that there is some, uh, like, jumping, I think, and some twirls, and a lot of braiding your tails of your horses and things like that for your meats or whatever they're called. All joking aside, I, I do think that there's just going to continue to be space for matching concepts with entertainment, and it, it stems from this idea that I think the younger generation doesn't want to just go to a bar and do nothing. And you see the places that are successful, shout out to Spain, which I obviously love, um, the shuffleboard places, the, the places that you're seeing in more sort of places like, like matching pickleball and other games with drinking in a social atmosphere. We're all sort of just bored of going to a bar and are looking for activities. And I think that anything you can do matching some type of fun game with drinking is usually pretty fun, whether that's you on a horse next to someone else that's racing or, you know, the race car drivers, there's oh, virtual surfers, you know, like a spin bike kind of skiing, surfing. I mean, having some surfing would be fun. I've, 
I'm a person who's really been radicalized by like surf media and stuff. Like I've never surfed in my life, but I see myself as kind of being like surf adjacent in a lot of ways. I, we don't really know what you're saying, but we are uh, supportive of your surf adjacent lifestyle. (laughs) A lot of tie dye scrunchies. Um, So obviously we've talked a lot about the things about five iron that we really love and that we think makes it such a, such a success, not only in the golf world, but in the real world and the bigger world too. Um, and do you think with the success of five iron, the fact that there's no dress code, the fact that you are playing music the whole time, that's a little more casual, you're playing groups of six. Um, where do you see the future of golf heading with bringing that outside to normal golf? Um, and do you think there's kind of like an opportunity to open a course that is maybe a little bit more five iron even winged foot? Yeah, I, look, obviously Top Golf has had a ton of success revolutionizing what a driving range is and, and really leaning into the social element of it. And, and we've certainly learned lessons from them. And they are really, you know, as lucky as I am to be on the podcast, we're not quite Top Golf yet in terms of our <laughs> uh, exposure. The, so, and, they, and they've done a great job. Again, they're creating golfers out of thin air. It's a fun environment that's low stress and it doesn't really matter what you do. There's not even a golf hole. You're just kind of hitting at things. And that lends itself to people getting excited about the game. And I certainly think that places like the cradle and par three courses that are popping up where you can wear flip-flops and go drink beer or pop up courses where you can have a drink. I think that is critical. And I, and I think that it's critical, not just for, golf as a sport, but also for those country clubs and, and whatnot in terms of growing members of the country club. Because again, you have to get introduced to the game somehow. And the only people that will ever join a country club are the people that were introduced to the game from their father who was a member and their great-grandfather and their great-great-grandfather. Then it's a very limited pool of people that will ever join golf clubs. And you need to, you know, and that was really an issue in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s where the game was the game was dying because people weren't staying and living where their parents had or their grandparents had. And this influx of golfers and making the game accessible, plenty of these people that go to Fiverr or Ruger Golf at events or whatever, they're all going to. Plenty of them are going to join courses and help continue that ecosystem of of golf and 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 getting more people interested in the sport. Yeah, we have a lot of ideas for an outdoor golf course. <laughs> Um, that yes, if you'd like to be one of our angel investors for when we open a course, perhaps with Elon Musk <laughs> as um, our partner. I had this idea a while ago. This was like in deep quarantine. Um, probably hadn't seen anybody other than the people I lived with for, oh God, I don't even know at this point, but I texted Kiki. I was like, I got a great idea. And you know who I think is going to be interested? Elon Musk. <laughs> it would be a smart golf course where you... Um, at the beginning of every hole, you know, and you could pick, do play as many holes as you want, but at the beginning of every hole, there's some sort of like computer at the front of the tee box where you choose whether you want bumpers or no bumpers, um, kind of like bowling. So instead of having to get it in the hole, which is really difficult, if the hole were about three feet wider, the game yeah. would be a lot quicker, you know, think yeah, about how much I'm cutting to Yeah. If you partner with SpaceX, then the ball will even go further and it'll be great. Maybe do this on Mars or something. Well, I was thinking Disney World to start because they have a lot of money and a lot of space and a lot of political clout, which is, I think, probably one of the most important things when you're opening a golf course. I I love the idea. I mean, honestly, the... So you're in. 
I'm in. I hopefully Elon can fund this if someone could just DM him or however you guys chat with people. But the the idea of outdoor golf course with graffiti walls and DJs and music going and some lights and whatnot, I think is a great idea and you should certainly pursue that. I'm I'm definitely in. Yeah. And also back to like playing as many holes as you want. Like we constantly say this, like why are the only two options nine or 18? Like six, a lot of times is plenty. 12, usually even for me, even when I'm playing well, like I'm good after that. Like, I don't know why you have to only pay for nine or only pay for 18. And then if you pay for 18, you feel pressured to finish all 18 because you pay for it. You feel like you're wasting money. And then like the last, however many holes are not that fun. And then you walk away from it being like, eh, that wasn't so great. Whereas if you end it when you're like truly ready to end it, your whole overall experience as a takeaway is like so much better. I've been playing nine so often this summer and primarily at like municipal courses that have terrible conditions and I've never been happier. Every time I finish, I'm like, oh my God, that was me. I wish I could do it again, but I don't have to because I already made plans for after that. So (laughs) it's one of the the ways we talk about why five irons accessible, not tying it back to selfishly five iron, but the- It's about you. This is an interview about you, Jared. You're the star of the show. (laughs) You rent the bays by the hour and you know you're going to be there for an hour, two hours or five hours. People have all different times that they're there for. But that in and of itself is accessible. You don't have to worry right. about whether you're going to be late for your dinner plans because your dinner plans can be at eight. And you know that you're going to be able to go to dinner at eight. And um, yeah, I, I certainly think that more ways to make golf accessible and fun, whether it's bigger holes or wider fairways or, you know, teeing it up, teeing it forward is, I mean, I tell my dad, I'm like, dad, yeah, you should go to the red tees. You, you shouldn't be hitting a three wood into every par four. And the, the issue is that he, you know, people feel like, well, no, like I'm not going to play from the junior tees or I'm not going to play from the ladies tees or whatever it is. And the more we can sort of get that stigma out of golf and just have people have fun and enjoy it and whatnot, I think the better the, the game will be long-term. Yeah, as if just like a skill level thing rather than a gender thing, you know. Um, hopefully yeah. that's the direction that we're headed in. Fingers crossed. Happy Women's Golf Day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even one thing that I always cringe over, when, when you're out five earning play with any clubs, whether it's called senior flex, uh, stiff shaft, extra stiff, different lanes. So when you come, we'll, we'll pick the right set with you, for you, that you can use to play all great top line clubs. But it never makes me comfortable saying, um, you know, here's a ladies set of clubs. Like that that just is ridiculous to me that we're even using that terminology. This is even senior flex. Like why are we so mad at the seniors, right? Like can we not make of a different name or a color coding system or a number system? Um, but certainly like ladies clubs, it's just cringeworthy to me even saying it. We're trying to move away from that type of terminology and that, um, you know, the stigmas that are attached to that. Because if you're – if you really should be playing, you know, the quote unquote ladies clubs, cause it's going to help you. If they're called ladies clubs and you're a guy, I don't care how much it helps you. It's, it's not going to be something that you want to use. And yeah. frankly, there are plenty of ladies out there that are playing yeah, super shots. Yeah, we're uses. both senior flex. Yeah. We're seniors. We're like old men. <laughs> yeah, we're Strong girls. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's so true though. Yeah, I mean, I could go about, I could go on about ladies club design for hours because they're also always just like the most disgusting fuchsia. 
um, yeah, like white and just red. terrible color ways and patterns and everything. But anyway, I don't think we have time for that. Um, I do want to get into um, kind of your your hidden past. Yeah. Kiki. Just a quick question about it. Um, that you were a teenage poker star, which I think might be very shocking to a lot of our listeners and was to us. Um, so I would love to hear more about how that started and why, and if you're still playing poker, I mean. Oh God. Um, I mean, the reason you start playing poker at 14 and 15 is because you're not that cool and you spend <laughs> a lot of time in front of the computer. So that's really how I started playing poker before poker was even a thing. It was on television and everything. And I honestly, I think got more lucky than anything where I played a lot of free poker and then, you know, one cent poker and then 10 cent poker. And then eventually Chris Moneymaker came and blew up the game. And it wasn't that I was good. I was just more competent than the rest of the people that were throwing money on the internet for internet poker and sort of rode that wave a little bit to, to, to do okay for myself. Um, through those late teenage years and my early 20s. So do you still play? I don't really play anymore. If I'm going to be gambling, I like to be drinking and socializing and having fun. It seems like a very glamorous lifestyle, but honestly, poker is, is extremely slow. You're sitting at the table for eight hours and waiting for... Eight you know, hours? I mean, sometimes longer, sometimes less. It really depends on what you're doing, but it's a very slow game. Online poker is a little bit more exciting and more stuff is going on. But um, but I will say, so, yeah, no, the, the big thing that I think poker um, sort of taught me and what I was learning through poker was just statistics and technology and you know studying the numbers and everything. And I, I compare it very much to sort of what where poker was going in, in like, you know, 2012 or whatever to where golf is now, where back then, if you were going to be a professional poker player, you had all these statistics on the other players and you were really leaning into that and studying it and caring about it. Now with golf, it's the same thing. Like you're looking at your swing speed and you're playing on track, man, and you're looking at all the different statistics that are out there. And it's basically standard. Now you look at the driving range of a PGA tour event, everyone has a track, man. If you're looking at, a golf lesson these days. If you're taking a golf lesson right now that doesn't have technology involved, you you would say it's a bad a bad golf lesson. Honestly, in today's age and age, that's like the the standard and the expectation. I think poker was sort of my first introduction to technology and statistics and using that stuff, and it certainly played a part in why um, I got into indoor golf and the technology to begin with. Was just really loved all that all that feedback from from the sim. Wow. I will be honest. I did not expect that to come full circle at all. I thought that was going to be a complete kind of like wild card. No pun intended. I didn't even plan that. Um, so, so, so a couple of quick questions before you leave, because these are questions that we ask every guest. Um, so what is your favorite golf club? Um, that's club in the bag. I guess I have to say five iron. Seeing as that's but a, is it actually like do you hit that the best no no i don't hit anything the best i do have a great um no i mean my if we're talking about what i hit the best we're going to struggle to find a favorite golf club <laughs> um no that doesn't have to be I, a favorite, i guess i'll say this i'm more of the aesthetic type for the golf club so adele made 
Like the singer, Adele? Uh, no, it's this like niche golf brand. I'm, I'm a golf guy now, so oh. people people do things for me. So Adele made, um, so we have a fitting company and, and we do club fitting now as well. But the this company Adele made really a beautiful logo putter. It's black with pink on it. And really anything that's black with some like hot pink on it, I'm gonna like. So I'm more, more of the aesthetics type for what's my favorite club as opposed to like results. So it's your putter. My putter. Sorry, is that was this a quick questions? That was my bad. No, I love that. Um, Honestly, it's a complex question. People think that it's simple. It's really not. Yeah. Yeah. So we we appreciate honesty over anything else. Um, so thank you. Um, and most importantly, favorite or dream celebrity foursome, living or dead, golfer or non-golfer. I mean, as the first guest on the Gruder Golf Podcast. I would have to say the founding foursome of Gruder Golf would be my dream foursome. Jared. Very sweet. Yep, Haley Hillsland and Aaron Donnelly, not with us tonight, but the other two founding members. I mean, it is a really great foursome, I will say. Um, (laughs) I feel like we've talked a lot about us this episode, but you know what? I feel like the... The five iron story and the Gruder golf story not only ran kind of concurrently in a lot of ways, but are just um, so, so closely connected at this point that we're intertwined. All right. And with that, I think that's pretty much all we've got. Jerry, do you have any more questions for us? No, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to see the podcast grow. I'm sure it will. And you'll get plenty of much more famous guests and just continue to keep blowing up the golf world. Thank wow. you. Thanks for being so here. much, Jared. I miss sincerely when I say that we could not have done it without you. We probably wouldn't have done it without you because your support has really meant the world to us and um, gave us the confidence that we needed to uh, to get this far, at least. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on tonight. Thank yeah. You. So until next time, Gruder Golf Nation, uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Low Expectations. Uh, Stay loose, swing easy. Later.